Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we offer resources to equip you and stories to inspire you on your adoption journey. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Welcome to episode number 203 of the Adoption Connection Podcast. Today, we're talking about the experience of being a single adoptive mom, and I have two friends from our community, the village, who agreed to hop in here with me and talk about their experience of being single adoptive parents. Okay, why don't we start by you just briefly introducing yourselves to our listeners. So Susan, will you start us off? Absolutely. Um, My name is Susan, and I have adopted two uh, kids from China, and we live in the Midwest, and it's been highs and lows, but overall, best thing I ever did. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. Okay, Brittany, will you introduce yourself? Yes, my name's Brittany. I have three kiddos that have come to me through adoption, foster care, sort of. Um, Our story is a little different, but I have a a daughter that's 21, a son that's 20, and a son that is 16. Great. Thank you so much. I would just love to hear you talk a little bit about how you chose adoption, and then maybe the path you took. You know, there are a lot of different ways to become an adoptive parent. So why you chose it and why you chose the path you did. So um, Brittany, do you want to start us off? Sure. So I did not, I did not choose adoption, really. Um, it was kind of just dropped into my lap. So just completely a God thing. Um, my two kiddos came to me together. And then my youngest came to me later and neither time was I like, oh, I really want to be a a mom uh, or an adopted mom. So my story is just really about the Lord. In 2017, I had recently been saved. I had grown up in church, but just really didn't have a true relationship with the Lord. And so I was kind of new into this real relationship with the Lord and was was growing but definitely wasn't where i needed to be and still very much lived for myself um i love to travel i love to spend money however i wanted i i wasn't very others focused and uh met my son through my dance studio i own a dance studio and the entire thing is a god story i needed a nutcracker prince i didn't have a teenage boy in the studio that year connected up with a local um, high school drama teacher, said, can you please, do you have anybody that would be my Nutcracker Prince? And she introduced me to my son and he started coming to classes at the studio. He actually lived right, right, just a few streets down from the studio. He had always wanted to dance and not really had the opportunity. So He just started taking classes, and on Thanksgiving of that year, I found out that him and his sister were in need of a home, and there weren't any homes in our county that were open to a teenage boy and a teenage girl. It was one or the other, so they were going to have to move to a different county to stay together or stay here in our county and be separated, and so I had invited my son to Thanksgiving dinner because we do it at my dance studio and he had come and he was talking to my sister about their situation and needing a home. And and there was a new law in Kentucky called fictive kinship care where a teacher, a coach, a neighbor, somebody with a prior relationship with the child 
that child could be placed with them without them having done any of the foster care preparation. And so as he's telling my sister that, I'm thinking like, oh, my goodness, this, oh, that's awful. Um, and then he said that he had written, he had had to give to his social worker a list of names um, of people. And they were kind of waiting to hear if any of those people would say yes to them. And that just pierced my heart. And I texted my friend and said, how crazy do you think it would be if I move in two teenagers? And she texted back. It will be crazy, but you've done crazier things. And so from that moment, my mom, my mom called me after our Thanksgiving dinner and said, do you think this couple at our church would be a good fit for them? And I said, mom, I think God wants me to do it. And that happened on Thursday and they moved in with me on Monday. So instant mom of two teenagers. Um, they're doing great. They're, they're launched. One is lives on her own here in town. Uh, my son is at college, and so I was just adjusting to empty nest um, and sort of getting back into all the things that I thought I wanted to do, and the Lord brought my youngest son into my life. Um, his story is a little different. Uh, I knew him for a year or more before he moved in with me. I had been praying for him. We actually just celebrated a year, and I found in my journal journal where a year before he moved in with me. I had written down that I felt felt the Lord say that he was supposed to be in my home. And so I just waited. He actually came to me through emergency custody. Um, and so I have permanent custody of him now. But neither of my stories were that I really wanted to do a great thing. It's just that the Lord said, this is what you're going to do. And I said, yes. I love that story because, I mean, I think it just demonstrates that Many, we, there are many paths to becoming an adoptive parent. It's not all the same. And your story is different from Susan's and different from mine. Where my story sort of aligns with yours is that after we adopted our four kids, we had the experience of having a fictive kin placement of a young teen girl who stayed with us for, I want to say three, three years hmm. where we ended up fostering her. And the same thing, we had no foster parent licensing. We had to do all the training afterward, but um, that was an amazing experience for us too. So, but thank you for sharing that. Susan, you took a completely different path to becoming an adoptive mom. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, I actually, I had thought about adoption starting in my early 30s, I had met another woman at work and she worked for a different company, but she was going through the process of adopting a child from China. And we just kind of talked about it. And I was like, wow, 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 wow. I wish, you know, I was, I was kind of wishy-washy. I'm like, I wish I was that brave to do something like that. And then I was like, oh, you know, I'm still young enough. I'll probably get married. And I'll have my kids. Well, the married thing never, never just seemed to work out. I had a few serious relationships, but just it was, I knew that I could never marry either one of them and stay married. I had been thinking about it a lot. And then my brother was tragically killed in an accident. And I just started thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, I have no idea if I'll ever get married or not, but I can control whether or not I'm a mom. And so that's when I really started looking into it. And I had another friend that was a single mom. She was an attorney. 
And she had adopted through an agency in the U.S. and did a private adoption for a stateside adoption. And so I just always felt, I don't know if it was the other mom's influence or what, but I just always felt like my kids were in China. And so I walked into an agency and said, I just want to figure this out. And so they're like, oh, that's great. We don't have any single slots for Chinese adoption this year left. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know there was anything like that. So then I called my friend, the attorney, and I said, you know, I want to start adopting. You told me if I ever got to this point to call you. So I did. And I worked with her agency and I made what I called my marketing package that they showed the birth moms. And at this time I was like 40, I think it was 42. I had been single, had a successful career, also very self-absorbed and interested kind of only in my own things. I was like the perfect aunt um, and I loved all my nieces and nephews, but I just really felt like I wanted that deep relationship with my own children. And so um, my friend and I, I got accepted and I started getting the, do you want to give your packet to this birth mom. And I did that for about six months. And after the last one, I was like, you know, I could try this for 10 years. And if nobody picks me, nobody's going to pick me and I'll never be a mom. And when I had been dating the last guy, I said, you know what? I just want to know that you think there's a possibility that we could be married. And I said, because I don't want to waste the next five years and then have you decide you don't want to get married, which is the five years is a really important number. After I was kind of disappointed with the U.S. adoption, I thought, you know what, I'm going to call that agency again. And so I called and when she answered the phone, she goes, oh, you are not going to believe this. I just got two single slots this morning. Do you want one? And I'm like, yes sign me up. So then I went through the whole paperwork chase for um, Chinese adoption. And I really do think that they give you all the paperwork. I think that's our labor uh, because it's miserable and there's a lot of it and it has to be perfect and there's always mistakes. So that was a lot of, of work. And then I got accepted and they're like, you um, will probably get a healthy 12 month old girl in nine to 12 months. And I was like, Whoa, I'm not sure I'm ready that fast. So anyway, I waited and I waited and I waited and, and trying to shut down adoptions and I waited and I'd look and it was like, Oh my gosh, it's going to be five or six years. And it was, it was almost. I think it was six years to the day that I walked into the agency the first time. And it was five years from when I filed my paperwork. So I was like, isn't that interesting that it's, you know, it's five years. And I kept waiting. And a lot of my friends are like, wow, you know, you're getting a little long in the tooth now. And so anyway, it was like, well, you know what? I'm going to go. So I, ended up going on a medical mission trip to China the year before I uh, was, my daughter was placed with me or was, I got her referral. And as I was in the airport to leave for China on the mission trip, the agency called me and said, we have good news. 
we think you'll be getting your baby in six months. Well, it was really 12 months, a little over 12 months. And, but it was perfect the day that it happened. My family's kind of spread out and we were all in Arizona for a wedding of my nephew. And that morning I got the referral package that had a picture of my sweet baby girl. And so I got to show it to my parents and my brothers. Everybody was there and it was just, it was, it was wonderful. My son's another story. Well, let's hear it. Let's go ahead and tell us about that. Uh, okay. too. This is, I'm enjoying, I, I think everybody listening is enjoying this too. I, I'm assuming, cause I think it's uh, great hearing these stories. Tell us about your son as well. Um, so the way that I, um, got my son was, um, after my daughter had been home for about two years, I started thinking about it because I turned 50 two weeks after my daughter was home. And I'm like, you know, I really, really want a sibling for my daughter. I, I grew up with brothers and I just felt like, um, especially since I'm an older mom, I really wanted her to have someone when I'm gone. And so I thought, you know, I better start looking. And so when I started looking, I was too old. My daughter was too young. And so I was like, oh, this isn't good. And then I talked to someone on one of the boards and they're like, well, I've heard they make exceptions. And I'm like, oh, what are exceptions? And so they told me if I go to these specific sites that they had kids with higher special needs that needed to be adopted and they would sometimes make exceptions for you. So I got on the site and I was looking and there was this one little girl. I wanted her, I wanted her, I wanted her. And the other, the agency just wouldn't respond to me. And so I started and I applied at a couple of other agencies because you had to apply in order to look at the pictures and see who was available to be adopted. So um, I finally emailed the one agency and said, hey, I said I was available and willing three weeks ago, yet I still see her photo. Um, is there a reason, are other people interested? You know, can you let me know what's going on? And they're like, we're sorry, but we can't help your family adopt. We can't ask for another exception. And so I said, does that mean that you can't help me or no one can help me? And they said, uh, we have asked for so many exceptions this year, we can't ask for any more. So maybe another agency could help you. Meanwhile, I get a phone call um, from the other, the, one of the agencies that I had applied to. She goes, um, I'm from this agency and I love your application. And I'm like, that's good. And so she said, um, but I have a couple questions for you. Are you heart set on a girl? And I said, or no, she said, do you like boys? And I'm like, yeah, I like little boys. I have nephews. I love them a lot. But we're, this is China. It's girls. And she goes, well, actually, right now in China, it's kind of considered a special need to be a boy um, because everybody wants girls. And I was like, really? And she said, yep. If you um, would look at boys, you will get a child that is younger than your daughter and has a much more minor special need. And I said, really? So she sends me the picture of two boys. She goes, I have two boys in mind for you. I think they'd be perfect. And I opened up the first one and that was my son. Did you have a sense in your gut? Did you feel like the Lord spoke to you? How did you know he was your son? I just was very drawn. They had a little video of him 
and a picture and a, and a video. And I was like, oh, he is just adorable. And I did. I opened up the next one and it was just like, nope. It was just my heart just jumped when I saw mm. the first picture. And so it was like, nope, that's, that's him. It's going to be him. And so I started the, I had to get the home study done like in a week and I had to have all my financials, everything set up. And so I thought, well, here's, you know, going to be the wait again. We're going to wait like months. And within a week and a half, they called me back and they said, uh, we're going to make an exception for you. And oh, by the way, his major, uh, it was minor hearing loss. Oh, he doesn't have any hearing loss at all. And I'm like, huh, okay. And so after that, um, everything just went through really fast. And after I got approved to adopt him, they said, we don't normally do this, but there is another mom who really, really wants to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. So they connect the two of us and she was getting ready to leave for China to adopt her son. And he was in the video of my son's video and she was getting ready to leave for China in the next week. And she said, um, I am so glad you agreed to meet me because I was going to, going to adopt your son first. Oh. And she said, and then she saw the pictures and heard the story of her son. And she said, I just knew I had to adopt Ben. That's the name of her son. So anyway, um, long story short, after we got home, they came to visit for a weekend. And it was amazing to see the two little boys together because they hadn't seen each other in nine months, but they still remembered each other. So that was really, really, really fun. Um, also, so it only took nine, it was probably less than nine months from paperwork to adoption for my son. So completely different than my mm -hmm. daughter. Okay. So Susan, what year did your daughter come home? My daughter came home in 2011. And your son? And my son came home in 2014. Okay. Okay. And Brittany, how many years ago did your oldest kids join your family? I'm in 2017. So we'll okay. celebrate five years at the end of this month. Okay. Okay. All right. So I am wondering if you could talk a little bit about, apart from the obvious that you're a single parent, what is that? What do you think is different about that experience? It's a unique path. You know, there are some things that are probably harder there. I, I don't know. I want to hear from you. So Brittany, starting with you. What do you feel is sort of unique about being a single adoptive parent? What's hard? Maybe what's good? Well, uh, I've never been a coupled parent. So, I mean, my, I was raised in a two-parent home. And so I had that model. Um, but there's a lot of that model, you know, that doesn't work for my kids. Like early on, talking to my mom, she would say, you know, now this is what I did, but you're in a different boat. So that might have helped because it wasn't, I, I really couldn't do much of anything that my parents did for me besides just love my kiddos. But I do think that is probably one of the obvious hard things is there's no, there's no way to tap out. 
I mean, you can plan for that, right? You can plan respite. You can plan to have a weekend to get away or something like that. But, you know, I was listening to a podcast this week and they were talking about the mom and the dad have a code word. And when one of them is super triggered, they say, I think it's something about like, go get the milk. And that means that the other one tags in. Well, I don't have anybody to tag in. So that part I would say is hard. But on the flip side of that, I don't have to argue with the spouse about how we're going to parent these kids. You know, um, it's, I have the final say on that. And so I do try to get wisdom, you know, from other people, but I'm not having to battle that part. Uh, so I guess that would be maybe a good side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because I know people listening are thinking, yeah, that is complicated. When we're parenting really complex kids in unique situations, and you've got two parents, there's a lot to navigate. Plus, there's a lot of energy that has to go into that marriage relationship, in addition to the parent-child relationship. And you are able to focus your energy more directly into that parenting relationship. Of course, you have friendships and all kinds of other things, but it it is a different dynamic, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And even, you know, so as a single mom, even, you know, with the thought of dating, you know, there's been seasons where I feel like I have more capacity for that maybe, but then there's other seasons where I just know, like, my job right now in life is to take care of this kid and I don't have time to take care of anybody else. You do have a little more energy to channel into them, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, your kids came to you older. Susan, yours were pretty little and you were doing it on your own. What do you think is, I mean, they're the obvious unique things, but talk a little bit about that. I didn't give enough credit to the fact of a dad being important in just the relationship. My daughter and my son, I call it dad shop. My son probably more so than my, my daughter. When we, when we used to go to playgrounds when we were little, he would try and steal everybody's dad and hang out with them. That was one thing that I wish I could have done differently for my kids was give them that relationship, the, the self-esteem. I think that sometimes you can get from your dad that may be different from what you get from your mom, just things like that. Also, I agree with uh, Brittany about the fact that I think the hardest thing for me was I don't have any family in town. I did have some incredible other friends that were single moms and other friends that were regular moms. But in particular, I had uh, two friends that showed up for me a couple of times when I really needed it and just came and took care of the kids while I had to be on a work call. Um, and so that, that was especially hard. And also, I think I realized, you know, there is nobody else but me that can take care of them right now. And so I've, and it's interesting, the people that have showed up in my life that have kind of filled that bill for me, just that I would have never expected that our relationship was one that where they would be. I mean, I had friends tell me um, not too long ago that uh, I have bad knees. And so her husband has bad knees. I went to high school with the husband and the wife and I um, work together. And so she said, now don't hold us to this, but he just said that 
you're going to need to get your knees replaced sooner rather than later. And I want you to know when you're ready, we will take the kids. And I was like, wow, that is a big offer. They're empty nesters now. I believe they're very sincere about it. So that, that really, it did help a lot um, because I, my family, I don't have family close. um, And we just moved my mom down and she's got dementia. And, you know, I used to run marathons and I thought, you know what, I can do anything. If you can run a marathon, you can do anything. And I think I might have overestimated my ability to do everything because it's exhausting. My mom called last night, 10 o'clock, very confused. Can you come over? And so it's, it, it is definitely hard. And there are times when I absolutely agree with Brittany. You know what? If I had to ask somebody's permission or advice or consider their thoughts or feelings, I don't think I'd like it very much because I get to make all those decisions, which sometimes it's hard if you have somebody coming from a completely different angle and you have to agree on it. But there are times where I'm like, I really wish I had somebody to bounce this off against and see, you know, what they think because they're hard decisions. And sometimes I feel like my decision cup is empty. Yeah. Decision-making is so exhausting and you're making them all, which is a lot. So I'm curious, um, and Susan, you touched on this a little bit. I'm going to switch back over to Brittany for a minute, but have you, where have you found support and have you been surprised by any of your sources of support? Because right, we cannot do this alone for sure. So what, where have you found support, Brittany? Well, I would say like, first of all, it has made me just incredibly aware of my need for the Lord, not just like a once, once a week or a once a day, but an everyday thing. So, I mean, my kids, all three of them in different ways have been the greatest tools that the Lord has used in my life to make me more like him and bring me into a closer relationship with him. So um, that would be the one huge, huge source. Um, and I have to fight for my, for me, it's in the morning. I have to fight for my morning quiet time to have time to read the Bible and pray. And it's really easy to let that, you know, get, let the to-do list take over. Um, but I've found that that is just huge. And then I would say just as far as support from tangible people, I, I do have the luxury of having close family. Um, here in town. And so my family helps out a ton. Um, with my first two kiddos, I had two really close single women um, who just jumped on board. One we called the Monday mom. She picked my kids up from school on Monday. So I, like I said, own a dance studio. My schedule is the opposite of, of a family. When my kids get out of school, I go to work. So she was the Monday mom and she picked the kids up and hung out with them on Monday. And I would come home from Monday uh, at work to a fully cooked meal and then she would stay and do the dishes. And so that was awesome. My other friend, my kids call her the dad and she would do all of the stuff that I didn't really want to do much like go see scary movies and uh you know haunted houses and those sorts of things so um both of them really stepped in in this scenario um where I am now one huge surprise of support has been our church has a really close connection that was developed through the pandemic with a women's inpatient 
uh, drug rehab facility. And through the pandemic, I got to know these women. I got to see a different side of addiction. Um, and some of those women have been my greatest support. They know grief. They know struggle. Um, the stuff that I tell them is not, they're not shocked. You know, they're like, okay, yeah, that happens. Um, and so those women have just been, you know, I would like, I call them the, the place is called Sky Hope. I call them the Sky Hope ants. You know, I would have never thought that that would be one of my greatest groups of support. So. Yeah. Sometimes God surprises us, right? <laughs> That's so good. Susan, how about you? Where have you found support? Have you had any surprising places? I know you just mentioned your friends uh, and a high school friend at that. So, um, and that's, that was a few years ago that you were in oh, high school. Oh, just a couple. Just a just few. A so where, where have you found support? The thing that's the hardest for me, I'm also on, I work with a group of women and we run a, it's kind of a social group for everybody and for specifically well, it's not specifically for Chinese adoptees, but most of the kids that have been adopted are China, uh, are Chinese. And so they've been a, a little bit of a support, but also sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you asked the single mom to help plan these events, set up for the events, tear down the events. But um, they've been a good group when I can get them to be real. Um, a couple of moms are very real. And then a few moms and you know what, maybe their kids just are perfect. And that's, <laughs> uh, that's something that I'll have to deal with that, you know, I can be a little envious of how easy from the outside it appears, but I know, I know it's not because they've had a lot of grief and, and sad things happen to them too, but they've, they've been a, just a group of encouragement and to help our kids get to know their culture, things like that. So they've been, um, that's been a great group. Um, I had amazing neighbors that I lived next door to and they were, you know, always we'd play and I'd talk to the mom, um, sometimes and it was hard because she's like, Oh, they're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes that was like, okay. Uh, and just let it go. And then we moved, uh, so my kids could go to a different school and our next door neighbors were great. And mainly their kids, their kids played with my kids all the time. And that was, I mean, I hate to say it, it was a huge relief because they'd go outside and they'd play and I didn't have to be minding them all the time. So that was, that was a huge relief to have them. And then the kids had um, a preschool teacher who became our babysitter and she would, uh, she frequently said, you need to use me more often and she was great. Um, she did. She helped a lot. And so those were kind of the primary areas that I had help from. I would also, moving in the middle of it, of the last 10 years, 11 years since my daughter's been home, uh, that was hard. I didn't, I underestimated how hard it would be for me and how hard it would be for the kids to move. And we only moved 25 minutes across town, but it was, it was big. We kept our church because we had some, uh, we have some really good friends that still go to our church and, um, that was great. And, and interestingly enough, my, my church was probably the least supportive uh, mm -hmm. 
people. And I shouldn't say that because there were some people who were very, very supportive. But our church as a whole, they want to talk about adoption, but they they don't necessarily do anything to support it. Um, mm-hmm. And I was also on, we had a ministry for adoptive families and there was a woman and she was a phenomenal leader. She was great. But when she moved, it fell to the hands of the co- co-leaders and it was, it was too much for us. Our kids were younger and it just, it was hard and we just didn't have the, um, I mean, it was, it was hard to try and lead two groups and work and have kids. It was, it was more than I could do. So I kind of had to wave wave the red flag. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a, it's a lot when you are in a position of quite a bit of need yourself, it's pretty hard to head up a ministry. So, Yeah. yeah. Apart from your local people, where else have you found support? Oh, this group, if I would not have found the village, I don't think I could have made it through the pandemic. I don't, I, I, there's no way. And I found you before the pandemic and I'm so glad you were in place so that I felt very comfortable with the group, but yeah, I could not have survived the pandemic without this group. And that's, it's actually, I always tell people, these are my people. They understand when I talk about stuff, nobody's judging. They're all nodding their heads. And there is, that is, I think probably for me, just to know that there are other people who walk similar paths. And sometimes I look and I say, wow, I could not do what these other women have to do. Because my kids can be hard occasionally, but most of the time they're, they're, they're pretty good kids. When I do have the hard, I get the support. And, um, and even when I don't have the heart, I still get the support. So this, I would say the village group has been a lifesaver. Mm. And also you and Lisa, Melissa, Lisa, you and Melissa, I would call you the opposite because I met you at the same time, but just the support. And I think more than anything, the hard thing for me is like, I just want a plan. If somebody could tell me the plan, I could work the plan. But there's no plan. There's no steps. There's, and then, and I struggle all the time with how do I find someone to help us with what we need help with? And that this group has been a very good resource for coming up with ideas. And truly, yeah, you, you guys were my lifeline. COVID was rough. That is for Uh-oh. sure. I'm so, I'm so glad you found us. Brittany, how about you? Where, how has that been for you? I'm a part of the village also, and I um, particularly am a little bit more involved in, well, Lisa, or not Lisa, uh, Susan's in it too, but the Hope Circle um, for moms. And so that was kind of my first into kind of the online support group, which was so helpful because I was just in a season where, you know, I had people here that could listen and even other even other um, foster and adoptive moms that I'm close to that could listen. But, you know, sometimes people, sometimes it's hard to share everything with people close. Sometimes you almost know each other too well, you know, when I'm kind of having that hard, I don't know, it, it just the, the hope circle, being able to share what I was going through and hear the stories of other women 
just was so encouraging because, you know, there is a lot of hard going on in that group, but there's also always a lot to celebrate. It's not just a doom and gloom kind of, we all just get on there and, and sit in our sorrows. I loved when I got into the hope circle, it would, you know, there would be a, a woman sharing and that I would be like, find out that she's a single mom, like, oh my goodness. And uh so that I think locally, I know more coupled adoptive parents. Um, So that was, that was really great. There, There's a single foster and adoptive mom at my church that is like my family that I'm super close to. She's she's done this forever and she's always done it. And and I just thought she was like the only one. (laughs) So other people, that's that's been great. Mm, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, I think I did not realize when I started the Hope Circle, which was even before we started the village. I didn't even anticipate how many wonderful single moms would end up in our group. And I'm so, so glad because we can support you and we can encourage each other. And it's so beautiful. And, you know, just recently in the Hope Circle, we've started adding members of the circle leading little online gatherings. And Susan, you are hosting a gathering for single moms, I think a couple times a month. Is that right? Yeah, we're going to do a couple times a month. And if we feel like there's more need, we'll try and amp it up. Um, And it's been great. It's been the everybody the one thing that i love about hope circle is everybody is just very authentic <laughs> and i feel sometimes especially with the moms i know locally kind of Brittany mentioned it that it mostly couples and there's also i feel like a need to act like our family's perfect everything is fine And I just, I'm like one of my friends and I, so another friend that I have, she's a therapist now. And I, she and I used to call each other and I'd say, are our kids the only ones that have problems? (laughs) Because it's like everybody else's family just seemed perfect. And, you know, maybe they were, I don't know. But um, we were like, yeah, ours aren't perfect. And I have no problem sharing that. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the one thing that, uh, that I absolutely see as a God thing is that one of my best friends from college, which was a few years ago, um, we were friends, really good friends when we were freshmen in college. She is also, um, a member of the hope circle and it has been phenomenal catching up with her again. And so we even have like an offline connection where we will message each other and every once in a while we'll get on a just a little chat and we'll talk for like three hours and then we're like oh I gotta go get the kids so that has been huge huge blessing ah I love that so much so you know you we have a a couple people who are hosting Gatherings for Single Moms. Christy, who you just mentioned, does a weekly prayer time. And then, Brittany, you're also facilitating one of our groups. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yes, I'm leading a book club, uh, A Love Stretched Life by Jelana Goble. I hope I said her name right. You did. You did. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, so we meet once a month on Wednesday nights, um, Eastern Standard Time at 9. And we've only had one meeting. Our second one is actually tomorrow. Uh, and so that, that's, I'm really excited about that. There's so many, as I was reading back through, even just this morning, 
there's just so many phrases through that book that I think we can all relate to. And so I'm excited to be able to connect. And it's a little bit smaller group than like the um, normal Hope Circle. So that was kind of cool to have kind of conversations with people back and forth. Yeah, you get to know people in a richer, deeper way when you're in a a small group of a small group, sort of, right? Yes, yes, yes. Well, if you are listening to this and you're, you want to know more about the village, we have a lot of information you can find at the adoptionconnection.com slash village. Within the village, we have a group for, we have gatherings for dads. We have the Hope Circle gatherings for moms. We have behavior Q and A's. We have Enneagram gatherings. We have overcoming block care. So we have a lot of different gatherings happening. The Hope Circle is a little bit, well, I was going to say special, but I do think it's special because it is so dear to my heart. But we also have an active Facebook group where we're interacting every day about different things, not only gathering live. We do both. We'll also have all this information in the show notes for today's episode. But as we wrap up, what would you like to say to other single parents or someone who's thinking about becoming a single adoptive parent? Susan, do you have something you want to share? Even though it's hard, it's very worth it. And things that sometimes I'm like, you know, I should have planned more. I should have done this more. I should have done this. Until you get in the middle of it, you're just not going to know. And I do believe that God will provide us with what we need. And it comes from, sometimes it can come from a stranger at Walmart, just saying something nice to you. I've had people just walk up to me and say things. And I'm like, where did that come from? Oh, that came from God. Because truly, why did the stranger in Walmart come up and and say, well, you look like you're having a hard day today. I just want you to know you're worth it. Mm. And so, I mean, just things like that happen all the time. And I love my kids. I always say from infinity and beyond. Sometimes I'm like, why did I wait so long? to know that I could do this. I know that God's timing is perfect. And my daughter came home right after my dad had been diagnosed with cancer. And just his death was easier for me because of her. She connected to my dad faster than anybody else in my family. And she still talks about him. And he's been gone 12 years. It's amazing the amount of love that you can give. And sometimes love isn't enough. You need help. Yeah. I mean, just for me, it's like, I, I wish I would have thought I was capable sooner. Mm, That's good. Brittany, how about you? What would you want to say to other single adoptive parents or somebody considering it? Um, I think I would say similar. It it is hard. It is hard, but I think parenting kids in general is hard. Um, but for me, it's the abs, you know, it's the best thing I've ever done that I, and I never would have chosen it for myself. The Lord knew what I needed. I think single parents have something special to offer. I think there might be some kids. I mean, the Lord does what he does because he has a reason. I think there's some kids that may thrive in that single parent setup. And so I think that you know, if it's something that you're interested in, don't let your singleness cross it off your list. Your singleness may be the very thing that makes you the kind of mom that your kids need. 
and the Lord will fill in all the gaps. Uh, thank you for spending this time with me. I've just enjoyed it. I always love getting together with uh, my Hope Circle sisters. I just appreciate both of you. Thanks for being here. You're Thanks welcome. And I appreciate you more than you know, Lisa. Oh, thank you, Susan. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. Our new Instagram handle is at Post Adoption Resources. Or better yet, join our free Facebook community at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. And remember, you're a good parent doing good work. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.